to breakfast What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas It's weird brunch <laughs> I haven't slept We were both just talking about how extremely tired we are So cool I would say most people haven't really slept since but, Tuesday Yeah, that's true at least. My job made me do a presentation at five in the morning. Ooh, oh my god! To who? No, wait. wait to I'm I'm working. For, I'm. Uh, I'll bleep this out. I'm working for the king, ladies. I am Ooh. helping those uh, do some more. No, just kidding. It's like an art thing. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> they. I had to surprise prep an entire website in like 24 hours so i stayed up till three in the morning and then i was like screw it i'll just stay up through until 5 a.m and then fall asleep and i finished this thing and then at 3 15 they canceled the meeting like man eh, i don't feel like it right uh-huh. um but i was like it didn't really get canceled off my calendar so i like took a nap and then i woke back up and yet for sure it was really canceled and then there was just all sorts of meetings in the morning because everybody knew I'd be up early. So I've been in up. I, I This is the closest we're going to get to drunk Karina ever again. Mm-hmm. Here it is. This is it. This <laughs> delirious is Karina. So delirious. I have the dumbest story. It's so short. <laughs> it's just going to be short and dumb right in the middle of this I mean, podcast. Isn't that short and dumb like we like our women? Is that stupid? I hmm. I really prefer tall and dumb. But how? Yeah. I guess how they they like their women, the uh, males. <gasps> Y'all, what? what are you familiar with? Supernatural, the TV show. Oh, I thought yeah, the concept. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Are you familiar with Jared Padalecki, co-star? of Supernatural, also famous for being arrested outside of his own bar that he owns in Austin, Texas. What? Mm -hmm. Is that the guy who's the boyfriend on Roseanne and then he was on Big Bang? No, not not her boyfriend. No, No. he was, but he was like a teen heartthrob before he was on Supernatural. Was he? I swear to God he was, because I rem- remember being like, oh, it's that guy, Jordan. Or are you thinking Pad- of Jensen Ackles? Because Jensen Ackles was a... See, I don't remember him from anything before. Tiger Beat Boy. Tiger Beat Boy. Anyway. Anyway. While you're looking that up, Whitney. Jared what did you get arrested Padalecki. for? I know what. It- he was in New York Minute. Ah, did anyone get into that Mary-Kate and Ashley in their teens movie? I did. It was ridiculous. Andy was in Gilmore Girls, which I didn't watch, but I know a bunch Uh, of people did. Oh, yeah. Like, if anyone asks, yeah, I did. Oh, I totally loved Gilmore (laughs) Girls, right? Rory. Um, Anyway, Jared Hmm. Padalecki has a brother who is a shoulder specialist here in town. Oh. Uh, and he's very well known for his sports medicine. And I was uh, referred to him by a doctor for a shoulder pain that I had. When we said tall and dumb, it made me think of tall and smart. Because when he walked in, 
uh, it was, I was like, Oh, I can't make eye contact with you. <laughs> this is not going to work. Cause he was attractive and very, very tall. Oh my God. You guys, my cardiologist, uh, did that to me. And it takes a lot for me to like, you know, blink twice at a handsome man, but man, he walked in. I'm like, no wonder you got into this business. You make the hearts go pitter patter. I was about to say, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a certain level of hot that doctors should not be allowed to be George Clooney, for example, unless you're like a plastic surgeon getting like being like, you should make yourself hotter. And then I'll fuck you. You know, that kind of deal. Kind of like, but see, I have a reverse theory that like, I don't like going to haircutters with good haircuts because you can't give yourself a haircut. Right. So like, I want to go to the plastic surgeon who's the ugly one in the office and all the other plastic surgeons are hot. That's the one you want. Right. Mm. Cause they're the one doing the thing to everybody. Or around them. It's like the don't trust a skinny chef kind of idea. Exactly. So how does that relate to your shoulder? Well, also I love, I love that you had to go to a sports medicine doctor. Well, I didn't know he was. He's <laughs> part of the, like the, whatever, uh, group of doctor whatever i don't know um in that little network within austin he's part of that and then when i googled him later (laughs) uh don't worry about it but when i googled him later i was like oh you're a sport that's weird that's really weird because i went in just being like yeah it's sore (laughs) and then the doctor i went to was like you need to go here and here and here because when I stretch my arms out, my um, forearms go numb. And apparently oh. that's very concerning. Yeah, to, I'm concerned. To both Dr. Padalecki and Dr. Coven. So I'm going but, to a third doctor oh, for my okay. neck. There it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> fuck it, right? Who cares? Uh, Who yeah cares had a mole looked at today because i thought it would maybe be cancerous because it's been there forever and it got bigger and you know just 30s are fun 40s are more fun 50s i can't wait oh see no i think 30s are the worst because in your 40s you get the actual problems that like almost kill you and you're like oh i'm not as worried now and now i know the difference between the signs and the actual thing, right? And then you're just like, everything signs and I'm going to die of something. And then your 50s are great because you don't care. <laughs> I, have and you then- talked to someone in their 50s lately? They don't care. Notice that all the people waving guns around, like right now, for no reason, they're in their 50s because they don't care. That's a good point. Yeah. It's true. Or they care too much. <clears throat> I mean, they care about things, but they don't care about like what happens after those things are dealt with. Mm. You mm. know, they're in the late stage chess game. And then when you make it to your 60s, you're like, oh, wait, I survived. I better pull my shit back together. And then that's when you have to care again. That's my theory <laughs> on the human race. And well, you should make like a, a graph about it. I'm going to crochet a pillow. Thank I was about to you. say, you could just put that on a bumper sticker that'll take up the whole back of my car. I'll put yes. it on there. I, I want to get one of those giant like Trump style magnets, but instead fill it with tiny text. There you mm-hmm. go. You put it on the side of a pickup truck and get a flag that has it printed on it. Mm-hmm. You'll have to follow me 
down I-35. And I'm not trying to run you off the road. I'm just trying to give you a better look. Yeah. Paragraph on my flag. Can't you read it from here? You know what my favorite thing about Trump is, since we can kind of like talk about that now, since he's going to die. Jesus. He's going to die. I mean, he's going to die of going away. All the campaign shit for him, all the campaign shit for him, like the bumper stickers and the flags and the shirts and the and the hats and everything never mentions Pence. He's like <laughs> he's like the first presidential candidate. Like, Fuck my running mate. Just True. me. I mean that's my favorite thing about him. That's the only positive thing I have to say about him. Yeah, is that he I, like Mike Pence. I forget Mike Pence is a person. You know so is Trump. I, I, I do too. Like I don't I don't even know he exists half the time. Over half the time. Oh God. It's it's hard to compete against Trump for space in any form of media. And he just he's so like he's like milk. He's like just blah. Like, I don't know, that fucking guy. He'll yeah, he'll completely disappear after Yeah, he's gonna die too. After this. Um have you noticed there's like um blogs that are keeping track of Mike Pence's posture. You know how there's like those things where like, look at how old the president was before he started. And oh, yeah. mm-hmm. It's the like that, hairs. but with Pence, his posture is just getting worse. He's like leaning forward more and more like Trump and he's wearing like suits more. And it's really sad. It's like watching an anamorph. But <laughs> instead of turning into a beaver, he's turning into the world's worst man. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Write that book for Youths. Oh my God. (laughs) Trump and morphs. I guess he is kind of turning into a little white fly. Just that's that's it. If like flies were black because of like actual pigment and they could be albinos and there's these little ghost pasty flies that Mm -hmm. that look like the white chocolate pumpkin. It look like a magnet magnet a maggot <laughs> a little flying maggot a little yeah flying maggot. That's what... oh god i'm so glad maggots can't fly <laughs> he is like a maggot that. but it's spelled m-a-g-a-t that's yeah. right there you i'm gonna go. start calling him that's really good i'm gonna start calling pence little flying maggot that's my... <laughs> <laughs> that's also uh what trump's next rapper that he's gonna introduce is little flying maggot oh and, no um, i think he's gonna call him little mayan uh, yeah. Ooh. Anyway, yeah, he'll mess it up for sure. He'll mess it up in the most uh, in the most delightful way. I really yeah. do. Like in my head, one of the ways that I've been surviving this election season is I've been pretending that whichever one of these two old men loses the election will immediately die. Like that's just the only way I can get through Wouldn't it. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I don't know. It's not necessarily. It, no, you know. no, no. The, the the little flying maggot and Kamala can be alive they don't have to die just just the two ancient oldest presidential candidates ever that one of whoever loses has to die are they the oldest ever yes is the oldest pair of presidential candidates ever wasn't whoever wins will be the oldest president ever not this old i do know that you had tweeted about Trump, if he loses, the 
Grover Clevelanding of us yeah. later yeah. on. But my hope is that they are, he is so old that within the next four years, he dies. Yeah, I think it'll be more of a William Henry Harrison thing where he'll he'll die and then his son will get mm-hmm. a Trump Jr., but that'll be fine. I will enjoy watching Trump Jr. get thoroughly destroyed in an election. I That would be, there's no, he has no charisma and no following. So that'd be great. When mm-hmm. did McCain run? 2012? 2008. Oh. oh. Mm-hmm. He was 71. Yeah, both these motherfuckers are 105. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> fighting for the right to cough all over the White House rug while they expire in the middle of their second year of the term. Inappropriately <laughs> touch people. I told, I warned you. No, no I love it. Welcome yeah. to Weird Brunch. Welcome to Death Watch Brunch. I'm going to get more high so that... Karina and I are on the same page. Death Let's watch get on brunch. that page, baby. Let's get on that resin sticky page. It's legal in like 79 states now, right? I know. Also, did Oregon like just straight up legalize all drugs? Mushrooms. Decriminalized oh, okay. usage. Got it. So like it's still illegal to sell it. Right. And theoretically in some cases to buy it, but you can't get thrown in jail for using it, I think. Yeah, okay. I also think it's, um, yeah. And then there were th- weren't there more regulations around like decriminalizing how much like of the lower end you have mm-hmm. on you? Yeah, something like that. I think the goal here was something similar to a sanctuary city where they're not like saying it's it's fine now to just be an illegal alien. It's not. It's fine now to take illegal drugs. It's more like if you need help and you come to us for help, we're not going to throw right. you in jail. And that's the law. Like you yeah. can be, if you want to like get sober, how radical. turn yourself in. What a radical <laughs> fucking idea. I yeah. know. It's just, I'm just it's, impressed that the state that has the most junkies passed it. You think they'd start <laughs> off easier in like really a low do. junkie state. That's why when I low saw that shit, state. I was like, LOL forever. <laughs> this is of course, of course, Oregon. Well, they're like, our fucking jail is full all the time of just people going through withdrawal. Let's put them back out on the street where they belong. Put them on the street. Get them a job at the gas station pumping gas if they like sticking things into other things and squeezing liquid into it so much. What the fuck is happening right now? (laughs) (laughs) Karina's going nuts. Karina, tell us your story. No. Yes. I want to hear it. I told you I'm going in the middle. It's too okay. short. I'll be okay. embarrassed. I'll be embarrassed that it's already over. Over. I don't want it to end. Guys. It's okay. You're going to die on this podcast. Think is going to happen in the lame duck period. I think he's going to pardon Muammar Gaddafi. Adolf Hitler and Benito Mussolini. <laughs> and I think Elaine Maxwell. I think he's going to use the attorney general to attempt to throw everybody in jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's probably going to try to murder some Mexican immigrants and send shock troops out into certain neighborhoods. Like, I think he's going to try everything like in a desperate attempt. 
And the only thing that's got me not panicking, honestly, is the fact that the military hates him so much because if they liked him, he would try that shit. He would try to Pinochet his way to like permanent dictator land. Mm. That's why I think it's going to be a nasty lame duck period. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of it. They're going to burn everything. They're going to go in like Biden's team's going to go in there on January 21st. And it's going to be nothing but like burnt out paper shredders mm-hmm. and waste baskets with charred remains inside of them and three dead dogs. It's going to be like, like <laughs> far cry three. In there. Uh, <laughs> she in there. All a dead kitten somewhere. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there's going to be a, a mule with flies coming out of its eye sockets and a brand they, on the side that said the secrets are in here. They leave Baron there and he's just riding around on a tricycle by himself in like soiled <laughs> diapers, even though he's way too exactly. old. Exactly. Diapers. Just the yeah. words the yellow king smeared in shit in the Oval Office. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Oh my god, the Orange King. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Matthew McConaughey's gonna have to cut in there with a machete and look around. Yeah, his Lone yeah. Star and his cigarettes, and he <laughs> fucking finally found him. Yeah. Dang. Wow. Oh my god. There's gonna be four orphans in the corner, just their bones, like in the Goonies. <laughs> it's a bunch of Tiffany's. One eyed Lily. <laughs> it's one eyed Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> She's got one bony paw pointing to the Lincoln bedroom where there's a little treasure chest. But when and they open it up, there's no doubloons. It's just her baby teeth. When the, just- yeah. <laughs> when the sun sets on her one bejeweled eyeball, yeah. it points to a secret keyhole. Yeah. Yep. And, and behind <laughs> it is a bunch of baby teeth. Yeah, they just open up that it's door and call up. It's just Melania's Christmas decorations, and everybody <laughs> screams and melts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this could turn into erotic fan fiction. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I thought it already was. Oh, it yeah. is. Karina's actually been reading her own. Oh music. yeah. Yeah. The newly redesigned Rose Garden is just filled with wriggling worms feasting on the filthy yeah. remains of half of the it's chiefs of staff. Rose Garden without any roses. Well, Lisa, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Did you go uh, first last time? I think you did. I think I may have, yeah. If you want to. Yeah. Uh, I can. Cause yeah, let's rip that Band-Aid off. Mine, I'm just over here hitting refresh. Mine uh-huh. is all about aliens. Sorry, I'm doing X-Files. I don't know if you can tell I'm doing X-Files. Um, no. <laughs> heard of it? it? Yeah. Ever heard of it? No big deal. Is that a Jonathan Pudlicky guy in that show too? Mm-hmm. I, know I bet. I feel like X-Files is one of the, it's kind of like Law and Order where a bunch of people were in one or two episodes as like a weird oh. character. So it's possible. Oh my God. I would freak out in such an excited way if there was an X-Files Law and Order crossover mm. where it's just like finding a dead alien body and then chunk, chunk, and then they It's been like sexually murder. assaulted. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So Sorry. SVU Alien Edition. So I want to take us back, back to 1961, a time of civil unrest in our country, 
we are not familiar with that in any way. But, <laughs> yep. We're going to be following the journey of an interracial married couple named Betty and Barney Hill. Like Betty and Barney Rubble, which I was like, oh, shit, Flintstones, Barney and Betty. But oh, yeah. no, nope, not about the Flintstones. So this, this isn't who the Flintstones were based on in real life? As far as I know, okay. no. Did they so, have any animals working as absolutely. a plant? Yes. It's Their disposal was definitely a dinosaur. Actually, Hell yeah. In 1861, they probably did have a donkey like turning churning butter and shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is in New Hampshire, so... I'm uncertain of their butter situation there in the 60s. But um, yeah, so Betty and Barney, they're married. It's 1961, September. They're having a, not like a hard time, but they both work really hard. So Barney works for the USPS and Betty is uh, like child services for the government. So they both have pretty grueling jobs. Um, they're involved with the NAACP and they obviously they're an interracial couple. And so they're, they've been involved in the civil rights movement and they're involved in their church. And like, you know, it's just a really heavy fucking time. Yeah. So they're like, Barney's like, what's up, Betty? You want to like, get the hell out of town for a couple days and she's like boy do I and so they go they're gonna go up to Vancouver Ooh, they want to go through to Montreal they want to see Niagara Falls it was about 16 months after they had gotten married so they're considering this they're like mini moon that they never really yeah. got to go on so a road trip honeymoon all the way to the couve Yes. <laughs> I just, that was a long walk for me to get to I say like <laughs> I'm so glad you went there. So when they leave, it's kind of random. <laughs> they leave in the middle of the night. One thing, one article that I read said they left at like three o'clock in the morning, which seems kind of wild, but Barney did work like the night shift. So odds of him like getting off of work or something like that, or their hours are a little off. Hmm. So they are like, all right, let's go on this three day trip. We're going to see Niagara Falls is going to be great. But back then you couldn't really, you know, take out money from an ATM. So they only had 70 bucks on them, which in today's money is about $550. So that'll get you to the coup. Yeah, that'll get you up there. But after Mm -hmm. after about three days, they're like, all right, we're tapped out. Let's go back home um, and just go back to life. Uh, So they're on their way back. They're in Vermont at this point. They stop at a diner, grab a little food, And they're like, okay, if we leave right now, we can make it back to New Hampshire by 10 p.m. And that's when shit begins to begin. I didn't say ghost town. (laughs) Whatever. This is like an episode of Lovecraft Country. I like it. Yep. (laughs) I I enjoy. Anyways, I'm not going to talk about Lovecraft Country. Okay. 
but we can later if you want to, because okay. I read the book and watched the series and I have opinions. Um, we'll start a Patreon. <laughs> where we just talk about Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. So they're driving and... Just what you wanted. Three white women discuss Lovecraft <laughs> yeah, Country. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> the book is written by a white dude. I will say that. Mm. Um, so they're driving. So they're from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, if that makes any difference to anyone. But so driving, trying to get back home, and they see in the sky what looks to be kind of like a falling star. But it's mm. kind of weird because it's moving somewhat erratically and is seemingly getting brighter, going from behind the moon to the side of the moon. And Barney's like, now this is this is probably it might be like a satellite that's falling out of the sky. Uh, he was also a World War II vet and he liked to watch planes and he was like, it's got to be like that or a plane or something like that. And while they're looking at it, it eventually goes completely off course, just going nuts. And they're like, holy shit, this is fucked up. We got to follow this thing. And so they're driving down the highway it seems like it's kind of getting closer to them. And then it starts to seem like maybe it's following or kind of responding to the car. So the couple pulls over at like one of those little picnicy things and they happen to have a pair of binoculars on them from their trip. And Barney looks through them and he sees an object spinning in the air that's lit up mm. and, Betty is like, Barney, if you fucking still think this shit is a satellite or an airplane, you're stupid. And he was like, bitch, I'm not stupid. I have an IQ of 140. And no, I definitely do not think Wait. that this is a si- satellite anymore. Is that real? Did he really it's say not that? not a quote. They do okay. have that. He had an IQ of 140 in here. Oh, my God. Uh, Anybody who says I have an IQ of 100 whatever is stupid. That's my <laughs> stance. I he didn't say it. This is just okay. part of. This is a fact in this article. Okay. Y'all, when we did IQ tests growing up, my mom came home one day and she was like, "Hey Lisa, your brother scored higher than you. I'm just letting you know." And what? Like Okay. And then that came up like three or four times. And then now like you read it and people are like, IQ tests don't mean shit. Yeah. Also, so take when did that, this take place? brother. What? 1861? What'd you say? When did this take place? 1961. Oh, 1961. Yes. I was picturing 1861. No. I, I thought they were butter churning. No, and- no, no. 1961. They're driving in their Cadillac. Uh, oh god okay. all right so by this point they're about 70 miles away from the diner and this object is coming down it's way too quiet to be a helicopter it is something they've never seen before now it's about a hundred feet above them and barney is like okay keep the car running i'm grabbing my gun i'm gonna walk out and look at this fucking thing and when he walks out, he sees this, that it's flat as a pancake. There's like, but it's huge, like almost 60 feet long. 
it looks like there's rows of windows around the outside and inside there are gray uniformed beings looking behind or looking at him and yeah. Barney is like oh fuck and he tries to like lift up his gun of course but a voice is like no Bonnie don't do that mm. keep looking at us and mm. he gets freaked out he's like oh my god I heard that in my brain I'm me and my wife are about to get captured by these aliens and he's like ah! he runs back to the car uh and they jump in and they start to try and drive away, but they hear this loud rhythmic beeping sound at, near the back of the car around the trunk area. And then they feel kind of like buzzy and weird sensations. And then they lose consciousness. Damn. Two hours later, Barney and Betty come to and they're 35 miles down the road driving. And they have lost all memory of the past two hours. They make it back to Portsmouth and they're like, what the fuck just happened to us? Like, I don't remember anything. Betty, you look all fucked up. And she's like, Barney, you look fucked up too. Shut up. Don't talk to me like don't that. Even. So Barney's shoes are kind of scuffed up. The binoc the leather strap around his binoculars had been torn off. Um neither one of the watches each one of them had on a watch. They're both not working anymore. They're both stopped. Betty's dress had like a tear by the zipper, a tear on the hem. It's a little, it's a little bit fucked up. And they're like, something weird happened to us. But honestly, like, I don't even remember that well. So let's just like put our weird shit away and go to bed. Hmm. Betty starts having terrible nightmares where she's remembering these men, these like non-human men and going into some type of ship and she's being freaked out. She remembers walking up a long ramp. She re she's starting to have these kind of recovered memories through dreaming. And Barney is like, uh, I don't know about that. You just are probably overreacting. You know, dreams are crazy. Like I have crazy dreams. Whatever. Quit being a hysterical woman. Yeah. And calm your juices, lady. Yes. So he tells her to calm her tits. She's like, these tits are made for walking. They go. <laughs> they meet a guy whose name is Simon. And Simon is like, I actually, on top of writing weird poetry, am a hypnotist. Let me hypnotize y'all and see if we can't figure some of this shit out in your subconscious. And through months of sessions, Simon starts to kind of pull these ideas out. What they think happened after hypnosis is a vessel had landed on Barney and Betty's car and it put them to sleep. Afterwards, Ooh. gray beings walk them up a long raft and in ramp and into a spacecraft. Once they're inside, Barney and Betty are separated and they're both put into an examination room with curved walls and big lights hanging from the ceiling. 
during the examinations, both of them have their clothes taken off, plucks or strands of hair are taken, clippings of their nails. They get some like scrapes, some skin samples. Everything is being placed on clear material, much like it kind of would be here if you were taking samples of something. Um, they probe their heads. Barney is like, they definitely stuck something up my butt, but only for like a couple, like a half a second. It didn't, I barely even felt anything. Yeah, that's what they all say. It's yeah. just a tip. It didn't count. It's yeah. true. And Betty's like, you know what? They also had this giant fucking needle that they, so there was one main being who was kind of, they called him the leader. But they say that, or Betty is like, they put this needle directly into my belly button. And she said it hurt really bad, but that she thought that they were doing uh, some type of pregnancy test on her. After her examination (coughs) ended, they rush her back to another room. And then they, Betty says that they come back, they come from Barney's examination and they have Barney's teeth and they're like, Oh my God, what, how can you take out his teeth? And she's like, Oh, ha 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 ha. Like laughing with them now because they're all speaking English through their brains. Telepathically. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, they're like fake teeth. Cause Barney has dentures and they were like, wow, that's so cool. Um, <laughs> what the fuck so, is this? While Betty, I so like this, these guys. The story is all coming out of recovered memories, quote, from mm-hmm. being hypnotized. Mm-hmm. I forgot to mention that these, this hypnosis, like they had talked to people, but the hypnosis part didn't happen until like two years after their alleged abduction. So mm-hmm. it's been a couple years that Betty has been talking to Barney about those dreams that she had. More UFO stuff is coming out also because up until this point, really people like people weren't like aliens all the time. It wasn't <laughs> co- it wasn't common. So two years goes by and there's there's stuff that happens in that two years. But back to the story. She's so she's allegedly talking to this leader on the alien spaceship. And she's like, tell me about the universe. Like, tell me all this shit. And he says, if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point of telling you where I am. And what? she's like. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also said that she was going to be able to take a book, but then the rest of the beings decided that it wouldn't be a good idea to send her back with it. So they mm-hmm. didn't. So all this hypnosis happens. They have this weird, crazy story. And in 1965, it gets picked up by a Boston newspaper and it blows the fuck up. They make a best-selling book about it. There's a made-for-TV movie starring none other than James Earl Jones in it. Um, Very, very old. It's on YouTube. 
and it looks like shit. I couldn't even read the credits. It was so poorly <laughs> preserved. So I don't <laughs> recommend watching it. But so the hills are alive. Um, Betty and <laughs> Hill are kind of credited as the first people to spot and report an abduction. Uh, it mostly shaped the way that people view and think of alien abductions today. That was the first time anybody had ever been like, yeah, I was on an examining table and they put shit in my butt and they probed me because up until then, the very few alien stories that were out there were like, it was a friendly thing and nothing it they say some aliens even lived on Earth and just commuted back on the weekends. <laughs> I don't know what that one is, but that's that was lizard that's, people, that's, right? You know, that's just yeah, that's your common everyday lizard person. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where the term kind grays comes from. If you've heard that mm -hmm. in sci-fi, mm -hmm. their story also uh, is flawed. And creates an alien abduction phenomenon. Like, people are like, fuck yeah, same thing happened to me, blah, blah, blah. And now, now that they've, Betty and, sorry, Betty and Barney have come out and said this, other people are definitely way more open to reporting their alleged abductions. But, of course, with all these fun things, there's another more scientific side to think about so let's do that mm. if you're into it mm -hmm. how can you make this scientific what was up that man's science. butt it's true mm -hmm. so i talked about how barney and betty both had pretty stressful jobs there was a lot of civil unrest where they were living it wasn't exactly open to interracial couples uh there they were under yeah duress and they were also very sleep deprived by this point when they decide oh yeah we should probably finally fucking drive home this so people also who are under um hypnosis are extremely susceptible to suggestions and the people who are able to be hypnotized are also more kind of open to that type of influence. Uh, they also think that because it had been two years since the abduction between the time where she, where they got hypnotized, it was even if unintentional, it was, almost a way for both of them to get their stories on like the same type of wavelength. Like initially Barney was like, your dreams are full of shit and I don't believe you. But after hearing them for so long, he was maybe, you know, you start to kind of absorb other people's memories and then they start to affirm each other. The alien character that Betty had described had actually appeared in 
the outer limits a few weeks before they ended up getting hypnotized. So when they asked her about that, somebody later on, Betty was like, I don't even know what that show is. And I want to be like, Betty, there were like five TV shows on back then. You had to know what the fucking outer limits <laughs> were. But okay. Um, so the thing about the light in the sky that they saw, the especially the one that was appeared to be kind of going by the moon and around it, seemingly... Apparently, Jupiter was really prominent in the sky that night, though I've seen, you know, people are like, that's Jupiter right there. And it's it literally looks like it's a million fucking miles away. Like it doesn't I would never notice if it was really significantly moving. But I don't know if y'all would agree. No, mm-hmm. uh, no I've never seen a planet move like that. Mm-mm. I mean, but from that far away, would you be like, I, it just seems to me like what they saw was obviously way too close to them to be a planet. Yeah. Um. So on top maybe of that, maybe it was the second moon. Yeah, it's the second moon. That's it. But <laughs> on top of that, like I said, they were both very tired, similar to how delirious Karina is right now. I'm okay. And- they think <laughs> what I'm also fine. probably could have happened was they did pull off the road. Maybe the what they saw was some type of bright light. And then both of them kind of sort of fell asleep into kind of like a waking dream state uh, and experienced some type of sleep paralysis, each one of them. Um, and then mm. when they finally woke back up, Obviously, in two hours, they had only gone 35 miles. So they were probably just really fucking tired and should not have been driving. And that's what I think most of the I don't, scientists would say. Um, mm. Barney died in 1969 of a cerebral hemorrhage. But oh my God. Betty lived until 2004 and she was 85 oh. when she died. She became like a UFO celebrity and definitely like hit the circuit on all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there were like books about her and all that fun stuff. Um, But yeah. That's what ended up happening to old Betty. And if you want to look up more about it, it's all over the place. But also there's this site called NICAP. Have y'all heard? I feel like we've talked about it before, but it's National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. I think we have. But NICAP.org, their website is straight out of I don't know maybe 1999 the outer limits straight out of the outer limits Mm. yeah so do you believe in aliens Lisa yeah hell yeah I do hell yeah I do hell yeah yeah, you do like I'm I'm the truth is out there 
The truth is everywhere, man. <laughs> the truth is written all over the place. Fuck yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I feel like this is... Um, so the aliens who created Earth and, and are, you know, created us and are, are, this is all an experiment. I feel like this is the season where we jump the shark and then they turn us off. <laughs> yeah. At least we wouldn't canceled. Know. Yeah, we're about to get canceled by the great. I don't know. If we're, I think we've done well enough that we've earned a spinoff and we're going to get like our own a different world. Oh, shit. Oh, I my take- God. Different worlds it takes. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. No. Is that how that theme song went? I have no idea. That sounded like <laughs> that is a theme song. Different strokes. Yeah. To move the world. Yes, it does. However mm-hmm. you stroke it. However do you need it. <laughs> oh my god. However do you stroke it? <laughs> Speaking of stroking it, you guys. What? I have some exciting news. So I didn't really have, I'm running out of stories that aren't depressing. Like I looked up all sorts of election stories and crazy riots and I don't know, they were interesting, but terrifying and I didn't want to do them. So I looked up animal facts again. Animal facts, the oldest living land animal in the world is named Jonathan. It's a tortoise. Yes, Jonathan is 186-ish. Man, he has seen some shit. Yeah, he has seen a lot of elections. And he lives on St. Helena in the South Atlantic Ocean, which is a little island where Napoleon was famously sent to die in the early 1800s. Jonathan wasn't quite there yet. He grew up in the Seychelles, which are off the southeast coast of Africa, kind of near Madagascar, Mm -hmm. the island, not the movie. Mm -hmm. And he uh, got brought there uh, on a ship because at that point, people who were going around the place, around the place, like the place like Africa (laughs) in South America. (laughs) People who were cruising around that spot. People on the cruise ships that were really like trading ships, you know what I'm Oof. talking about. Mm-hmm. They would uh, they would grab tortoises whenever they could find them, and I'm going to say turtle a lot, and I mean tortoise. So fuck off. And so like they would grab tortoises whenever they caught them because they're giant and apparently delicious. Uh, we're not allowed oh. to eat them anymore because they're all getting extinct. But what they would do is they could stack them up in the ship, and they stayed real nice and tidy. They were like cargo crates because you could just stack your tortoises up and then you'd eat one when you got hungry so this jonathan survived being a meal on this ship that stopped in saint helena and he became like a favorite of the captain who decided to get off and uh, bring jonathan with him and uh, he said you know what jonathan seems like a full-grown adult uh he's cute he looks happy here i'm gonna leave him here And so he gifted him to the governor of St. Helena in 18, hold on, hold on, 82. 
1882 is how they're like dating the fact that he's 186 because there's a photograph of him and he's clearly full grown, like based on measurements in the photograph. And it takes about 50 years for a Seychelles tortoise to get full grown. So that's how they like got his birthday. Anyway, 31 governors later, he is still there hanging out on the lawn of the governor's mansion in St. Helena. He's super famous. He's on the back of their five cent coin. Um, They had to put a little fence up because everybody likes to go pet and sit on Jonathan and he's getting old and they have to like be nice to him and all that stuff. Don't sit on Jonathan. Don't sit on Jonathan. And like, since we've all become like woke, uh, he's an endangered species. So they're really trying to, you know, preserve Jonathan and maybe get some baby Jonathans out of him. So how old uh, is he? He's 186. Now they can live to theoretically 250. Oh um, my but this God. guy doesn't look like he's quite going to make it that long because he's starting to have some health problems. Uh, a couple years ago, his like their beaks, they're made of like keratin, like fingernails, and it's starting to get real soft and crumbly and he was having a hard time eating his, his grass. Yeah. But they started giving him a better diet and he's made a recovery. Unfortunately, he's blind and uh doesn't like move around too well but he apparently can still hear good and uh let me see i got a quote here from a bbc reporter who went and hung out with him for a while so uh first of all they have a plan for jonathan when he finally dies they have a it's called operation go slow like saint helena is ready for this oh my god he's like the most second most famous person who's ever been on the island next to napoleon so when he dies, they're going to not stuff him because that would be morbid and out of date. They're going to just take a shell and put it up somewhere cool where people can go look at the shell. So they're ready. But here's a direct quote from Teeny Lucy. Teeny Lucy is his caretaker. Her name is Teeny Lucy. Mm-hmm. I love that name. His beak has become a deadly weapon for anyone attempting to shove a carrot anywhere near his mouth, and he can belch. Tortoises may be slow, but they are noisy, especially when they mate. A noise like a loud, harsh escape of steam from a giant battered old kettle, often rounded out with a deep oboe-like grunt. Teeny, that is graphic. Teeny's been. She assures the reporter it's all an indicator of good health. So here's the thing about Jonathan. He's 186, but this boy likes to fuck. So he hasn't produced any offspring so far, but he does have a girlfriend since 1991 Hmm. when the French ambassador to St. Helena. Uh, heard about Jonathan and knew that there was like preservation efforts uh, and knew that he had kind of run through all the other ladies on the island and not really made a baby yet. So he brought Frederica. He happened to have a private zoo in the Seychelles and he was like, I'll borrow Frederica and I'll bring her to the island. So Why he brings can't Frederica. We these animals, not human names, because if I just like skipped ahead in this podcast, I'm like, the fuck someone <laughs> sold someone in 1991 yep. so that the other one could fuck it yeah that's kind of what happened so yeah 
Huh. Anyway, they bring Frederica to the island, and Jonathan and Frederica hit it off. They fuck all the time. That deep oboe-like grunting is like, you can hear it all over the island. It is amazing. They've been lovers for now. How long is that? 30 years? It's beautiful. But they haven't. But they have not yet produced an offspring. So uh, one day, uh, two years ago, Frederica had a little uh, crack in her shell, like a dent in the back of her shell. And they realized, okay, well, this is actually a deformity from some sort of thing that happened when she was just a wee lass. So it wasn't like new, but it was starting to get worse and worse. And it was in the back where the uh, <laughs> the mating happened. No. Yeah. So they went in for a closer inspection. They fixed up the shell. They actually did a treatment for a lesion on there. And Frederica was better than ever. But in the course of fixing her shell, they got a real good look at her cloaca, which, you know, like birds and reptiles and mm-hmm. t- tortoises, they have the cloaca where everything goes in and out, especially tortoises. Like they got the bladder in there. They got the genitals in there. They got the pooper in there. They got some of the sea turtles even breathe in and out of that thing. So like, oh it's an important God. hole. Yeah. Anyway, they look, took a look in there and uh, there was a dick. Oh no. So- <laughs> Frederica. Jonathan hasn't made a baby because Jonathan is the world's oldest gay boy. So they have been just humping away and having fun. So that's kind of a cute story. Yeah, it's adorable. It's not so good for the extinctions and whatnot. But um, they're just a happy little gay couple on the island. Not the last twist. So I decided to go one step further and go, hold on now. Tell me more about turtle sex because I'm having a hard time picturing, you know, who's top and who's bottom here, right? Like what's going on? So I picked up some scientific articles on how tortoises mate. Apparently the problem is that Jonathan's a big boy and Frederic or Frederica, actually Frederic, who knows? I don't know how that tortoise identifies mm-hmm. um is smaller and that's why everybody assumes female because that's typically that's just the male is bigger in the species in this case just a little little, little boy <laughs> <laughs> so frederick's the bottom right and jonathan's the top so some tortoises sea turtles and stuff like they'll just kind of rub together but land tortoises have a dong and boy do they Okay, so you know how, like, they go into their shell to defend themselves? Mm-hmm. Well, like, tortoises only put their head inside, and then they use their legs like armor or whatever. So there's a lot of room in that shell, and you would not believe what's in there. So treasure tortoises have dicks that are half the length of their body. Whoa! That come out of their cloaca and like just dominate the landscape. And there's a lot of like scientific articles that talk about how they'll use them for fucking for sure. But like, sometimes they just stretch them out. Like they'll just put their heads in the water and then just let the beast loose to just kind of flop around and stretch. And it's, it's really weird. And they're huge and they're, they're purple and they're not pleasant to look at, but they are enormous. So uh, tw- imagine like a 12-inch 
cock, but like on a 24 inch thing. <sighs> so we're talking like the equivalent of a three foot schlong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funnier when you say it that way. <laughs> so now normally this makes sense because they got to get through that tail, you know, like mm. the cloaca is underneath the tail. It's not like right at the surface. It's kind of tucked under. So like, it's got to be nice and long to get up in there. But Frederick got his own schlong up in there, his own two foot doggy, right? Uh, so apparently what Jonathan's been doing is just banging away at the shaft and uh, like getting up in the cloaca. And that's what caused the lesion. Like just kind of, it's like, imagine like two dicks fucking each other, but there's lots of foreskin and they can just kind of like fuck inside the foreskin. <laughs> oh my God. I know. I told you I did research. This is the most insane docking explanation. <laughs> yeah. This is some serious hardcore docking. Nobody's ever documented this particular endangered species dick size, right? So um, they're now looking into trying to catch Jonathan and Frederica without getting themselves injured. Because, like, Jonathan weighs 500 pounds, and has a sharp beak. So like you don't want to interrupt him when he's fucking his boyfriend. But that's they are the, trying to that's like the little part you just need to cut that out for the sound clip. Jonathan weighs 500 pounds and has a very powerful beak, so you don't want to interrupt him while he's fucking his boyfriend. Right? You don't. It's oh my god. Rude. Um but anyway, they want to catch him running so they can just get a good measurement uh, and see like how big a giant land tortoise dong can get and hold on there was one more little detail in this teenage mutant ninja turtle porn what was it oh gosh he does have another friend named david um and they've started like taking to each other as well <laughs> david like yeah just name mm-hmm. one of them like sloby shelly <laughs> no yeah. that's a human name well so, but yeah, my favorite thing about Torino is that he's blind. And so he gets around just by hearing and by shoving his nose into things. And they describe all these rituals of like feeding him fruit where he just kind of like blindly snaps around until he feels the fruit in his mouth. So this boy is just wandering around all day sniffing for that taint. Like he just, <laughs> oh, God. Doing. he doesn't care if it's David. He doesn't care if it's Frederick. He doesn't care if it's Teeny Lucy. He just he's just here to fuck. And that is the world's oldest man on the planet. And uh, I just want to pour one out for old Jonathan. Keeping the faith down there in St. Helena. Thanks, what Jonathan. A good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. What a... <laughs> <laughs> One picture of a giant land tortoise is not this particular uh, breed or whatever, um, but it's um, length of an arm, big, yeah. Um, an adult's arm holding an apple. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they like, you know, they're unique in that their their penises are very mammalian, which is interesting. They've kind of like evolved to look almost like a mammals but they got no balls so it's just all it's all good stuff you're really really fucking up my search history later Mm -hmm. all right (sighs) i'm done sorry 
That was graphic. <laughs> I, I think we earned our explicit tag on this episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Explicit, especially for animals. Um, <laughs> don't put this on when you leave the house so that your your cats and dogs don't need to hear this. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Karina, like you, I was, you know, looking for some kind of election shit or, you know, something mm-hmm. Something crazy. Uh, but I did find one. Um, I'd like to talk about Violet Gibson. Hmm. That sounds familiar to me. Did uh, somebody tell this at some point? No, 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 no. No, okay. no I don't think so. That just that think so sounds either. familiar. It's always my concern. Um so this is the story of Violet Gibson. She uh-huh. was uh, born in Dublin, Ireland uh, in 1876. She was the sixth of seven children. Uh, wonder what denomination they were. Um, her father oh. was an Irish lawyer and politician named Edward Gibson, and he was uh, created Baron Ashbourne in 1886, and he went on to serve as Lord High Chancellor of Ireland from 1885 to 1905. So this dude, yeah, this dude's bougie. She grew up bougie. Uh, Her mother, Frances, was a Christian scientist. So as a child, um, Violet was often sick with scarlet fever, pleurisy. Pleurisy? Yeah. What's that? Oh, God. I think that's where your eyes are watery. Oh. Uh, Let me see. Uh your lungs get hurty. Okay. Yeah. So like uh asthma. Like inflammation of the lungs. Lung hurty. Yeah. Um so she had that. Uh she also had uh of course bouts of hysteria and <laughs> she doesn't? had a violent temper. Uh, she grew up dividing her time between Dublin and London. At the age of 18, this bitch was a debutante in the court of Queen Victoria. Nice. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, during her younger years, she also was like, okay, maybe Christian science is kind of cool. And then she got into theosophy, which that's a whole nother episode someone should do. Um, yeah. And then at the age of 26, she got, uh, in 1902, she was like, you know what? Roman Catholic. Done. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) So she was, uh, some of these, some of what I pulled was from the Irish Times. uh, And so they were kind of saying like, yeah, she made headlines, but she made headlines before that main one because she was, you know, part of the nobility. She was Honorable Violet Gibson. So she was on in the paper for like court notices and fashion. Like, what did she wear and where did she go? And then fashionable intelligence column, which I uh, deduced was like the gossip section where it's like, oh, we saw that she went to uh, Portugal to the beat or something. Mm -hmm. I just wish we still called it fashionable intelligence instead of like 
okay magazine <laughs> yeah that's definitely the new york post is full of fashionable intelligence that's for yeah sure. page six baby um <laughs> so after she converted to catholicism she kind of like retreated from high society she got real pious uh then at some point she kind of lived in this bohemian situation and took several lovers she marries an artist and all of this is kind of while she's off the grid and then the artist uh has like a sudden death in 1909 and she's just like real fucked up about it uh probably also because her sister-in-law and her brother harry had died like just before this um her lover died so by 1913, she is, you know, a widow. Uh, she moves to Paris and she starts working for some pacifist organizations. Uh, also in 1913, she contracts Paget's disease, uh, mm-hmm. which is where you have your bone tissue starts breaking down. Mm-hmm. This woman was ill. Uh, she needs and- some Boniva. She does. Uh, <laughs> and then she also was diagnosed with breast cancer and had a mastectomy. Um, yeah. yeah. So she, you know, she got it all, man. So she returns to England. And then when she's there, a uh, surgery for her apparent appendicitis uh, left her with chronic abdominal pain. This poor woman. So yeah. in her 40s, she gets, you know, and, and going through all of these, you know, diseases and surgeries and everything, she's getting more and more obsessed with religion. Um, this is kind of all through her 40s. I am certain I have said this on this podcast, but maybe it's been a minute. But the part of your brain that is in tune with religion. So when people get really like worked up, when they speak in tongues, when they're, you know, all of a sudden, like that's all uh, your your friend or family member can see is like, I'm going to church five times a week. Like, don't talk to me unless you're talking to me about the, the Bible or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the same part of your brain that is that gonna like gets kicked off during a manic episode when you are bipolar, when you are depressed, like if you have that manic, it's the same like section of your brain anyway. So her being more and more obsessed, it's the same kind of behavior as having, you know, manic obsessive thoughts. Any of that is right there. So that's what I mean by obsessed. Um, She's going on retreats and she follows the Jesu, Jesu, God, I know how to say it. That's why I'm mad. Uh, Followed the Jesuit scholar John O'Fallon Pope. Uh, Jesuit, yeah. Did I fucking say it wrong? Jesuit? It's not that wrong. It's very close. I'll go home. I'll go home. So he... And that guy was kind of like known for being uh, intense. He was preaching that like holiness depends on uh, mortification and mortification means putting to death. So mortification mm-hmm. does mean quite a few things depending on how intense uh, you know, you're looking at it and in what context in the Catholic church. Um, yes, it can mean put to death, but it's also kind of, 
it's like that scene in that Tom Hanks movie, but it's Paul Bettany who's doing it, and he's like whipping himself with a cat of nine tails. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a Dan Brown book. It's not Angels yeah, it's, and Airwaves. It's uh, the da, Vinci da Vinci Code. Code. Yes. Yeah, it's that Mel Gibson's dad shit. Yeah. 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 Um, so she's becoming fixated on that idea and on the idea of martyrdom. So she is, you know, in that place where, you know, I need to be punished. I need to punish others. It's the only way, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, 1922, she has a whole ass nervous breakdown. Uh, <laughs> she's, she's found wandering the streets of London in her night clothes. It could mm. be worse. Um, in the morning, she tried this is like they go find her scoop her back up, get her back in the house. And then in the morning she tries to go out again. Uh, the housekeeper's daughter's like, fuck. And so she follows her. And shortly uh, after Violet realizes she's being followed, which does not take long. She attacks the girl with the knife. Mm. Um, the girl needed stitches and Violet is committed to a mental asylum. She is declared insane and homicidal. Hmm. So that's in 1922. Two years later, she um, she's in the mental asylum for uh, most of those two years. And she goes with a nurse named Mary McGrath, travels to Rome where she lives in a convent. So she's like, I'll trade you this me being insane shit to go (laughs) somewhere else and go to a nunnery. Deal. Done. Get out of here. Um, Get me to a nunnery. By this point, she is just fully convinced that God wants her to kill someone as a sacrifice. Um... (laughs) So, you know, that Olympus gets on. God wants me to kill for a sacrifice. (laughs) Get off your ass and try to kill someone. Yeah. (laughs) Really rolls off the tongue. Sure does. Um, so 1925, uh, she tries to kill herself. Mm. Is what this sounds like. So, this was a Story from a Rome newspaper printed March 2nd, 1925, and I quote, The Honorable Violet Gibson, who was staying in a pension in Rome, is lying in the hospital of San Giacomo, suffering from a serious wound. On Friday, a shot was heard in her room, and when people entered, she was found in bed wounded. She simply said that she wished for a confessor to be called. The doctors at the hospital found that the shot had passed through the ribs and penetrated deeply. Although they do not despair of saving her life, they consider that her condition is most grave. (laughs) That's the problem. Like, you know, women, they don't ever want to disfigure their faces when they shoot themselves to kill themselves. So it doesn't work as well if you're going for your abdomen. It's true. Yeah, that I is really like it when old time doctors talk like Bill and Ted. Like we consider her condition most grave. Most grave. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Something is a fool. 
a foot at the circle K. It's uh, truly heinous. <laughs> and then this is my favorite part is that after that section of the story, they they couldn't help but be fashionably intelligent and say <laughs> Ms. Gibson, who's 49, arrived in Rome Gross. last December for the holy year celebrations. She spent most of her time in private prayer and attendance at church services. God, just like party. A uh <laughs> So then in March 1926, uh, Violet's mother passes away. And by April of that year, her obsession with killing someone has refocused, right? Like she got it out of her system by shooting her ribs. But now like she's back on her game. You know, she's who am I going to who do I need to take out here? Well, uh, on Thursday, April 8th, there's another article in a Roman newspaper that said, attempt to assassinate Mussolini, shot at in front of cheering crowd, wounded in the nose, Irish woman arrested. Yeah, go girl. So... On April, I know, and I'm not trying to say anything about anyone who might be known as a fascist leader and what women can have the ability, but I'm just (laughs) saying this is a thing that happened. So on April 7th, um, 1926, she shot Mussolini. He was the fascist leader, had been for like four years, I think, at that point. Uh, He was walking in a huge crowd. in the Piazza del Campidoglio. Doglio? Doglio. Doglio. I don't care how it's pronounced. I like the way you. <laughs> I think you <laughs> got Piazza you. right, though. Yeah, I think you did. Uh, thank you. Doglio. Um, Doglio. Uh, so, most grave. Most grave, dude. So, it. And, the piazza is in Rome. Okay. After he was leaving an assembly of the International Congress of Surgeons, and he had just delivered a speech on the wonders of modern medicine. Hmm. Uh, Gibson had hid her revolver in a black veil, and she had armed herself with a rock to break Mussolini's car window if necessary. It was expected that he was going to drive through this crowd, but he was like, you know what? Mm, I'm going to walk. Fuck it. And so she, he gets to where he's like eight inches away from her. And she is, you know, obviously he's got security. They're looking, but they're not looking at this tiny ass gray haired shabbily dressed Irish woman. They're like, we, this bit, no. Shabbily dressed. That's, that's, that's some fashionable. uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it, yeah. I feel like if that didn't make the headline, what would of this story? So, uh, she's eight inches away. She fires once and he, it just, it was one of those fucking moments where he was like, what did you say? And the bullet goes right past his nose. So had he not moved, he'd be dead at this moment. Um, but he moved. And so the shot hits his nose. She tries again 
because in that moment he's hit, he covers his nose. He turns and like, you know, obviously looked at her. The story is that they made eye contact and then she uh, shoots again and the gun misfires. So it's just like nothing. These dumb old guns. So Mussolini during all of this stays very calm. He's telling the crowds, don't be afraid. This is a mere trifle. Get fucked. And he like, they bandage his nose right there. And then he just continues his motherfucking parade. Meanwhile, Violet Gibson is fucking almost like lynched on like right there by this mob. They're, they broke her glasses. They're pulling her hair. They they're beating the shit out of her. She's on the ground and she's just lying there. She's not even trying to get up. And um, I think maybe, maybe she's kind of getting off on this, but like in the Catholic mortification way. (laughs) So police finally intervene. They take her uh, in for questioning. This is also when they find a small bottle of poison in her pockets. Now that could have, you know, you can read that three, four, five different ways, but. Uh, the police were uh, just like, why this woman has nothing to do, has not been impacted by this, like by Mussolini. She hasn't like what? She's got why, good taste. Yeah. They were like, I don't understand. And she also was like, I'm also confused. <laughs> she said, Mussolini, are you sure it was me? And, the the it's it was reported that they were both like everyone in the room was like what just happened <laughs> uh so then later Mussolini was like i was ready for a beautiful death but i didn't want to die at the hands of an old ugly repulsive woman oh trumpy i know you trumped again. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying anyone should or should not do any of the things that I'm saying um, mm-hmm. that Violet Gibson, you know, I'm not trying to glorify this badass woman who's also <laughs> crazy. Um, so at the, yeah, she was almost 50 years old and, and she, you know, outside of like, are you sure it was me? She was like, I'm I don't have any reasons to do this. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So then she, uh, after she gets put in custody, all of a sudden she's like, I shot Mussolini to glorify God. Okay. <laughs> why I did it. Um, and she also said that God had sent an angel to keep her steady. So mm. she was not alone. It, it didn't work. Yeah. It kept her good. steady, but not him. Right. So, mm. Um, so the Gibson family, this is another newspaper part, but the Gibson family, they write a letter to the Italian government to apologize for her actions because once they find out who she is, they're like, oh shit, you're related to all these bougie people. (laughs) So they write a letter and they, uh, apologize for her actions And then the following day, an interview with her sister was published. Her sister uh, was talking about this, quote, alarming trait that Gibson had developed uh, after the death of their brother. Uh, And 
she so the sister said that the brother Victor was quote found dead whether by his own hand or that of someone else he has never been has never been cleared up to our satisfaction Violet losing her playmate of her life gave way to paroxysms paroxysms what Mm -hmm. paroxysms okay Hmm. i'm doing okay this is my iq was lower (laughs) so yeah it sounds like 140 at least thank you um so (laughs) yeah so she's like paroxysms of grief which in the end unhinged her mind violet was always a girl of extremes she was cultured clever and artistic she was musical and had the most beautiful voice though she would never sing except in private the dominating influence of her life was her love of victor his last his death was to her the last straw so now you know she's you know how siblings are man mm-hmm. so she's in jail and she's in jail for um a little over a year and you know obviously she's suffering quite a few cruelties uh within the fascist prison system and she was then declared a quote chronic paranoiac and was deported to England in May of 1927. Um, she, what, what? Oh, so her family was like, "Look, we're fucking embarrassed as shit. Can we just? Uh, we're just gonna have her committed in this asylum." And and the Italians are like, "Yeah, you apologize to us. That's fine." So she is committed to the St. Andrew's Hospital in Northampton. <laughs> Northampton. And uh, so it was theorized that she was uh, unwell at the time of the attack and the idea of assassinating Mussolini was hers and that she worked alone. Other people say that she uh, had people that were helping her and you know it was her idea but the people were like yeah dude let's fucking this guy sucks um and then she died in st andrew's asylum in 1956 uh, oh. so she kind of she kept trying to get out she was you know many pleas for freedom but there is there is evidence that they exaggerated her um, mental state of unwell uh, just to keep her incarcerated. So it was almost like her family was like, You're, you've embarrassed us, you stay here. And then obviously the world, half of them were like, fuck yeah, bitch. And then half of them were like, Ew, I mean, no. do you think they would have just killed her if she wasn't committed though, since she tried yeah. to assassinate Mussolini? I mean, like, I feel like potentially, but she was sent back to England. So then it's like, right, maybe you're just in jail, but it wouldn't be, you know, I don't think she would ever be set free. I know. Are they worried that she's going to try to kill another world leader? I mean, probably. It seems like a one time thing. Yeah. Yeah. Seemed like she tried a few different things to me. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and just so we know, Benito Mussolini was killed on April 28th, 1945. Um during the final days of World War II, when he and his mistress were taken to the suburban square, hung upside down, and then everybody beat him. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there, actually, there is a this woman. She, it's gone for a a while that the like nobody really talks about um, about Violet, and they're coming out with a documentary. Um, and there is a biography written on her, but there's really not much, um, outside of people like writing up about these, you know, documentaries and biographies. Uh, but there is a song written by a woman named Lisa O'Neill that I thought was kind of cool. If you like Irish music and singers. Are you going to sing it for us? No, but she is um she's a contemporary artist. I'm not asking anybody to go listen to some music from the eighteen hundreds, even though this happened after that. What oh is Karina going oh, I thought I thought it oh. was gonna be a question. It was a question and I answered it. Oh, there you go. The question was do I have to sneeze? The answer was well, yes. But we don't get to celebrate anything on this episode. We don't. We thought we would. Other than our own genius and moxie and chutzpah and pizzazz. And pizzazz and gusto. And grit. That's another good one. Integrity. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> Collaboration. Sure. Yes. I'll allow it. I like the 1950s, 60s buzzwords. Mortification <laughs> and mortification. Yay! Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Follow us at Weird Brunch everywhere and go and rate us because we should say that more often. But I feel like mm-hmm. I've been a lot better about saying it. So yeah. Also, uh, no matter who is president, when you're listening to this, just keep in mind that there's still going to be some social issues that you need to be ready to stand up for and support your community. Okay. Okay. And wear a mask. Always. Forever. (laughs) You hideous old 50-year-old crone trying to shoot me in the face. Put a mask. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs)